I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, back here with Sam Monson, previewing all of the Week Six games. Sam, what's up, Steve? How we doing, buddy? Good. You? Great. We I ready got, to go? I got something. What do you have? Oh, your bat has arrived. The Nuke Two is in the building. Should I be scared? I mean, look, it's got a got a hazard warning thing on it. That means it's good, right? Yeah, it means it's good. Excellent. Well, we'll just leave this here and hope it doesn't oh, roll it's, off. The it's going to roll. It's going to roll. That's roll. You don't think that they've, like, centered this table? It's perfectly level. Stinger bats. Thank you. Shout out to those guys. Yeah. They sent you a bat, huh? So the metal one's here. We can now start getting practicing, get up to speed. The wooden one with the, like, logos and stuff will be on the way. But we're now, we're now good to go. I got a bat. The, you got to flip it so the stingers... Uh, well, it was hard enough to get it to stand there and not move. Let's just accept that it's going to be backwards. Shout out to Stinger Bats. You can imagine what it looks like when it's spelled left to right. All right, fine. On your not head, be it. Down. No, no, no. Don't mess with it. Turn it the other way around. We're here to preview all the NFL games. And if it smashes things, it's your fault. We are here to preview all of the NFL games. Uh, there you go. So, yeah, that's for when Sam tries to hit against me. Date TBD. We're going to do it soon. See, now it won't sit here. So this is all your fault. This is this is a bad show. Tell you what, tell you what. This is bad pocket. Yeah, yeah, use your. There you go. Still can't see Stinger. There you go. Shout out to Stinger for there we go. Look, professional. Anyway, let's get a couple. We got to do the couple house housekeeping items though. Okay. We've got a new promo code for everybody too. So we've got the bats because we're going to be playing baseball against each other, and we've got a new promo code for everybody, which is NFL Pod NFL POD twenty five percent off any PFF subscription. Yes. Now look, we we hit our goal already. We were trying to raise raise two thousand dollars. We've already raised thirty four hundred and twenty. I was suggesting we need a stretch goal, right? Let's, let's aim for four thousand. Let's double the goal. If we get four thousand dollars, what are we going to do? Somebody said that if we get four thousand dollars, the obvious next thing is that I have to spend ten pitches as a catcher. And you said, if you do that, you will get hurt. Yeah, you'll, you'll get hurt. Why? Bearing in mind, I don't even know what a catcher is. This is the dude in like all the fuck, the, the get up with the big face grill and stuff. Yes. Okay. Yes. Why will I get hurt? I will throw pitches that you probably won't catch and they'll hit you in the face or the arm. And... But you got a helmet. Okay. You need, that still hurts, but you also need, you probably need more gear than that. And then even if you do catch it, it goes back to the, the arm side run. You're going to jam your thumb. If you go try to catch it when the ball's moving like that, it's going to The giant, it. like, soft mitt still injures your thumb if you catch it? Catcher's mitt. Right. That's what I'm saying. That yeah, big, squidgy, giant, soft mitt will still hurt your thumb if you catch the ball with it? Yes. Well, that it'll, feels like that. It'll jam. It'll, I've jammed some catcher's thumbs before. That feels like poor equipment. Yeah. And then if I throw off-speed pitches, I'm really in trouble. 
sliders. Well, the slider's not bad. It won't move. Uh, the splitter, splitter will move. Splitter will move a little bit. Okay. Yeah, you, it might be uglier watching you catch me than hit me. Okay. Is what I would say. I mean, look, if we get to $4,000, I'm willing to give it a shot. All right. Well, I appreciate it. So the, my problem with this is you're upping the ante for like just you. Yeah, yeah. pain infliction here. <laughs> So, like, it, we're going to be over here. Right. We're going to be we're here like, two years from now. I'm going to be, like, bungee jumping or something. We're, like, yeah, we're, like, two charity drives away from this being a full jackass episode and you getting in, like, a bull ring with a 2,000, <laughs> right. like, right. whatever, like a 2,000-pound steer it was just all, getting dropped into the, the next world. It was all fun and games when I was just picking my hair out and you were dressing like me. But before you know it, you know, we're in the, we're in the ring with a bull, yeah. as you said. So, um, <laughs> look, it's all raising money for let, good cause. Can we not let this go too far here? <laughs> Try to take a few swings, get out of there. I'll dunk on you at some point. I'll do something else stupid. I think but all we're shooting for is that the amount we raise for charity is more than the amount we have to pay in medical costs after this is all done. <laughs> look, we're getting towards the end of the year. If we can max out the deductible now, then, then I can get anything. <laughs> we can get whatever whatever needs to get fixed by the end of it. I got four kids. Deductible's always maxed out. Well, there you go then. You're good. Doesn't matter what we do to you. Somebody else is picking up the tab. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's not a bad stretch goal to have you try to catch. Good See? Luck. Maybe not 10, right? If, you're, if we're saying this is certain injury, maybe we, like, limit it to a few. But remember, I'm soft. I'll probably throw it. I'll throw batting practice true. You, you are, like, you, you are a concerned... You're like but I'm a, competitive too, so if I ramp, I might want to ramp it up. I don't well, know. I don't know what I'm going to feel. It kind of depends how the hitting's gone, right? Like if I if I've yeah. managed to hit something, True. you're going to want to get revenge. Yeah, if, you, if you hit me, I'm right. Watch out for the arm side run. That being said, like the harder you try and hit, the less I'm confident it's actually going to hit me, like central mass. So it's probably a better thing. I don't know. I don't know what I have left. We shall see. Um, I'm a, I mean, I'm just saying, I think it's a good stretch goal. So $4,000, go to the my pin tweet, Steve's pin tweet. The, the link will be in this YouTube chat as well. Donate. If we get it to 4000 apparently I'm playing catcher as well, whatever the hell that is. This is the best. I love it. You don't even know what the catcher is. It's great. I mean, I assume he catches the ball, the but beyond that. Yeah. yeah. Calls the pitches, catches. You know. well, calls the pitches as well. Yeah. Well, you that tell way, me what I'm going to throw. Oh, that's perfect. One's then, a fastball. Two's a curve, which I don't have. Three's a slider. <laughs> Hang on, if you don't wiggle split, what happens when you try and throw the curve? Uh, I just throw a big loopy one. I haven't thrown it since. Uh, okay, I retired it in two thousand five. Well, if I get to control the pitches, that feels easier. Well, yeah, you have to know what's coming. Yeah, right. So you called. You could call the pitches. Yeah, oh, that feels doable. Fastball away, fastball in. Okay. Why don't you watch some baseball? You know, get ready. No, for God, no. Playoff time. Go Red Sox. All right. Let's get into all of the action. Remember, NFL Pod 2, 25% off any PFF subscription over at pff.com. It's a special offer just for our podcast listeners. And no one else has 25% off besides this podcast. We're the only ones. Certainly nobody else with that code. Not with that code. And more to the point, if you use that code, we get credit, which is always good. Um, and remember to send us emails as well, nflpodcast at pff.com. We had a few come in since we asked for it uh, this most recent time, but keep firing them in. They're always good, particularly if you have you know ideas, all that kind of stuff. We'd like to hear from you. Fire us emails. All right, let's get into this. Um, so we previewed Bucks Eagles already. Yeah, we yesterday. That's on the the midweek show. Don't forget, we have it Wednesday midweek show. A lot of people tuning in, but uh, you know, we need more. We yeah. want more people listening on the Wednesday show. So Bucks and Eagles has been previewed. That's tonight Thursday night football. The biggest game of the week, though. Chargers at the Ravens has to be the biggest game. A pair of four and one teams. Ravens favored by two and a half. And we've got some AFC playoff implications. Two teams that uh, are leading their respective divisions. 
But again, given the depth of those divisions, this these I mean, they could be in the wild card mix. This could be for home field advantage. There are there's a lot at stake here. Chargers, Ravens, and another battle of I don't know, just some some forward looking teams that are playing well now. That they're they're aggressive. Uh, it's it should be the game of the week. Yeah, should be. Um, that is one of the most underrated aspects of this, by the way, is that you're talking about two of the most like aggressively progressive teams when it comes to analytics, in-game decision-making, fourth down calls, all that kind of stuff, go for it, not go for it, when to kick, all these kinds of things. Like They're both going head-to-head at this point. And they've both been using that already this season to like get some pretty major wins. Also, by the way, like when was the last time we saw a matchup of two teams that have a win over the Chiefs. That's a good point too, and and this is the this is the last two teams where the the MVP hype, the most recent MVP hype. Remember on Sunday it was Justin Herbert, on Monday it was Lamar Jackson. Now they're going head to head. It'll be it'll all be sorted out here in Week Six. Yeah, until Week Seven happens. <laughs> yeah, and then we then we go somewhere else. This is like. it's also a really important game I think for both teams like we've talked a lot about how Baltimore's schedule gets pretty ugly down the stretch Um, it's starting to kick in now where's their schedule right now it gets it's the ninth hardest run in from here on in but it gets harder like the deeper into the season we get so that number is going to go up towards the the first hardest Um, so they need to kind of get some wins banked to make sure that they don't slip when when they get to the really hard part of the schedule and for the Chargers like, they have a march on the Chiefs right now. The, the key for them is, like, let's keep the gas down. Let's not make sure we open up the door for Kansas City to immediately, like, jump back to the top of this division with a couple of wins over the next few weeks. They need to, like, they've got their foot on Kansas City's throat. It's time to keep going. Uh, we've got Justin Herbert as QB3 right now in the PFF QB grades. Russell Wilson's actually up to number two. Obviously, he'll miss some time, and he'll be, he's sitting on that 90.3 grade right now. But Herbert's up to 90 overall. And Lamar Jackson up to number six, 87.1 overall. We broke down Lamar's game a little bit yesterday on the show. And I mentioned the league high average depth of target of 11, about yard and a half, two yards higher than Lamar's ever thrown. We're talking about this this deep passing attack, which the Ravens, it wasn't what they did Monday night against the Colts. It was shorter, but the deep passing attack of the Ravens against this Chargers defense, which... uh, I always say again because of repeating over and over again this was brandon staley's thing this is what he did with the rams it's what he's done so far with the chargers that they generally don't give up these 20 plus yard throws now the chargers defenses had their warts i mean they gave up a ton of points last week and 75 yarded to yarded to david and joku and the whole thing but this is a battle of the Ravens trying to create chunk plays through the air and the Chargers always trying to eliminate those. Yeah, and the Chargers also gave up an absolute ton on the ground, critically, you know, against Cleveland. 230 rushing yards, seven yards per attempt, uh, almost six yards per attempt after contact. Um, now, look, part of that, I think, is going to be by design with these with this Chargers defense, a lot like it was with the Rams. They're going to play some coverages and some uh, box counts that essentially invite you to run the ball, much like Buffalo did last year. Like, there are a lot of smart teams that are kind of doing that, that are inviting you to run the ball because it's less dangerous than passing the ball over their heads. On the other hand, at the point where you're giving up seven yards per attempt, it's gone too far, right? Now you're facing Baltimore. Obviously, everything they do is built off that ground game. Now, we've talked about how, look, in recent weeks, they haven't actually been. They've been passing the ball in obvious pass situations way better and and they've been rolling because of it but 
at its heart, this is a battle between a team that wants to run the football and a team that is reasonably happy for you to do that as long as you don't take it too far. Yeah, that's what I'll be interested in seeing. I think the player, number 33 on the Chargers, you know, the guy that he'll play some safety, he'll well play done. a little bit over the slot. He'll always be that chess piece type of player in a game where it's Lamar as a design runner, Lamar scrambling a little bit. Uh, you know, the, one of the differences in the game the other night, the Colts had opportunities to create negative plays on the uh, on the Ravens. And as much as I like to say the you know the mobile quarterback doesn't save the offensive line, Lamar has been really good at slipping sacks this year. Yeah, when the Chargers get there, they got they got to take him down, right? They have to get him to the ground. When Joey Bosa's in the backfield, which he will be, he's got to finish those plays. Yeah, big game for Joey Bosa. Um, Twenty four total pressures, I think, so far this season by far leads the team like they've got somebody else with 11 somebody else with 10 <clears throat> with 10 but neither of those guys have good pass rushing grades their pass rush right now is joey bosa and he's really really good but anytime you are reliant that reliant on one individual player it's kind of easy to take that away you know you, you just have to want to do it hard enough like if you want to double team a guy out of the game he's basically out of the game if you don't do that now he could run riot but that's the danger um, just to highlight how how good the Chargers are at avoiding those those twenty plus yard throws, three for seventeen, opposing quarterbacks completing passes at twenty plus yards. That's the second fewest deep completions allowed. So um, again, it doesn't mean the Ravens can't move the ball through the air. We just saw them against the Colts. Dink and uh, Dink and Dunk is not a derogatory term, but you know they. <laughs> other than the deep ball to uh, Marquise Brown for a touchdown, Lamar took the underneath stuff. So I think this. This strategic game between the Chargers defense that likes to invite the run against the team that's still at their core, at their heart, the Ravens do want to run. They do want to you know, work off the run game, but have shown that they can win different ways. That is the most appealing thing about the Ravens to this point is a game like the other night, when they're down, when they have to throw the ball, they just did it. Yeah. And, and they moved the ball. And I do think this is the best group of playmakers Lamar's had. And, you know, we... You know, he hasn't been perfect this year as a passer, but these last few weeks, throwing the ball extremely well. And, you know, it's just they have answers now. The Ravens have more answers than they have previously. Uh, other side of the ball. We also might see uh, Rashad Bateman, by the way, for the first time. I've been waiting for him. When he's out there, man, I mean, I, again, I don't know what I don't want to go overboard on rookie expectations, but it's just it's more options. When you've got Bateman, Marquise Brown, we'll see what happens with, with Sammy Watkins and Mark Andrews. Right, and look, if there's a position that you can be reasonably confident in a rookie being good quite a, right, right away, it's receiver. I mean, By the way, I said, I said we'll see what happens with Watkins because hamstring injury didn't practice uh, on Wednesday, and we know hamstrings are generally not one of those things where you just kind of play through it. They, they might take some time, and they're, they're tough, right? So um, <clears throat> what, are you, what are your thoughts on the other side of the ball? Herbert, again, playing really good football, doing it in a way that is – uh, you know, when I when I was complimenting Mahomes when he broke out in 2018, I was saying, don't look at the spectacular. Don't look at the flash plays. Look at the fact that he's not missing throws, that he's taking the underneath stuff when it's there, and also complimenting that with the special. It's easy to get caught up in Herbert's cover two shots and the carry on the ball and the laser beams that he throws. But when he is accurate on the short and intermediate stuff in a way that he did not show at Oregon, decision-making, Usually he still has that like one or two passes per game that he'd want back as far as poor decisions. But man, he is not leaving a lot of plays on the table, Herbert. He really isn't. Um, 
And it's in a weird way, like Mahomes, you're almost at this point where you're like, okay, I actually do focus on the ridiculous things that aren't sustainable and are high variance and usually don't translate year to year because for some reason he seems to have this freakish ability to maintain a really high level at that stuff the same way Mahomes does. Um, now, look, we're still in the realms of low sample size with him, right? We're, what, 20 games into his career at this point? Sure. Which is, I mean, it's creeping up, but we've seen people going to run for 20 games before. And then it disappears or it comes back down to earth. So I wouldn't get, let's not go quite over the top, but it is, he does look like a player who is able to sustain relatively unsustainable things at a high level. Right now, he's a top 10 graded quarterback against the Blitz which is always critical because Baltimore is one of the most blitz-happy teams in the NFL, even with dialing it back to face Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, you know, because Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL against the blitz, if not the best. So they dialed it way back for the Chiefs game, but are still one of the most blitz-happy teams in the NFL. I would assume they're going to come after Justin Herbert the way they do with everybody, and then it becomes, can he sustain how well he's played so far against that? I think what you just described, though, is similar to what I'm saying on offense with the Ravens, I think, is that they're they're finding different ways to win, right? I mean, when we described their 2019 season, which was when they were 14-2, and two, the Ravens had a run game that was, if you put it up against pass games, was the sixth most of, was would, would have ranked sixth or seventh, which is unheard of. Like, you can, usually the top run game ranks like 21st against with just in epa just in efficiency against passing attacks the ravens were sixth or seventh that year that is an anomaly that is different that's how they won defensively blitz rate out of out of this world trusting the secondary but what we've just described here is a game where they went out there and just threw the ball like crazy in a game where they went out came out of their defensive comfort zone sat back played coverage rushed four different ways of winning for the ravens plus the edge i mentioned in yesterday's show when you throw the ball down the field, it might bring more volatility to your offense, but the payoff is incredible and taking advantage of those uneven bets, so to speak. So I, those are the, the hidden things I think the Ravens that are, are doing that are really good. If you go all the way back to the start of 2020, Mahomes is the number one quarterback in the NFL against the Blitz. Uh, Herbert is still top 10. I remember that. Like That's now bringing in his entire rookie season, and he's, he remains top 10. And in terms of grading, he's like a grading point away from being sixth. So Herbert has been really, really good against the Blitz since he came into the NFL. And if anything is only getting better, that's interesting given how much Baltimore Blitz. Yeah, I mean, so I, I could see Baltimore, I mean, taking the same strategy, right? Saying Herbert's been good in this respect. Kind of feels like you'd make him prove it first, yeah. right? Like it's one thing with Mahomes where you've already been burned by that a couple of times. Because it's not like they went immediately, well, Mahomes is carving everybody up, so let's not blitz him. They went, no, we blitz. That's what we do. We're aggressive. We're going to come after you. And then only after he like torched them twice, it was like, okay, <laughs> maybe we can't blitz him every time. This Like let's dial it back next time. So I suspect they'll go after Justin Herbert until he proves he can deal with it. So one of the keys... To the Chargers. We're over here. We're praising Brandon Staley. He's making all the right decisions. He's saying all the right things. The other similarity to the 2019 Ravens. Remember, they went for all their fourth downs and the whole thing, and they got them all. They just kept. They also converted. There's there's the decision part of it, but then there's the execution part of it. And when they work, when they both are good, you have you know 14 and two 2019 Ravens. At some point, though, that caught up. Remember, they were 0 for 2 on the quick early fourth downs in the playoff game. So the Chargers are kind of at this similar boat, right? Like they go for it in their own territory on the 30. 
and not just fourth and ones, like fourth and three and fourth and four, and they're getting these. At some point, does the execution of those plays run out? And it doesn't feel as good. Right now, it feels good, right? They're, they're going for them, and it's working against the Chiefs. It's working against the Browns in these huge games. That would be my question mark with, with the Chargers. Can they sustain what you keep saying is the unsustainable? Can they sustain third down success? Can they sustain fourth down success that they've had? At some point, that probably runs out, but all you can do is lean on the decision-making. And it, you know, last week, we talked about the forward-looking 2032 NFL game. We probably see another one, Chargers-Ravens here. They are 7 of 8 so far on fourth down attempts. Yeah, I mean, if two of those don't go, I mean, it, it, it affects wins and losses. I mean, you're these like, are the margins you're talking about. You know the only team who's better who actually has a decent number of attempts? Like, Arizona's 3 for 3, so obviously they're 100%. You know who the only team is better who's actually done it a reasonable amount? Who's that? Denver. Denver, 8, eight of 9. There you go. See? Hidden, the hidden edges. And Baltimore, right? Baltimore, 3 and 4. 3 from 4. I don't think Baltimore's had a ton of those opportunities. That stat Chris put up about the Chiefs the other day, how they just like, haven't had fourth downs they're just converting yeah four it's like their first fourth down and it's that part's crazy too all right so let's make some picks on this one again the ravens favored by two and a half at home uh it's also a one o'clock game you get the west coast travel and the whole thing so where are you leaning on this one uh baltimore to win and cover Ooh, i'm going the chargers i win outright yeah i think the chargers win this game Ooh. uh both so both teams are have just been in some crazy games i wonder does that does that make you battle tested or does, does that like wear you down at some point you know what i mean like when you're in a heated battle every single week ravens coming off a short week overtime win emotional win against the colts even at home even at one o'clock i'm gonna lean chargers here on this one okay so there we go the other awesome game is the cardinals and the browns we'll get to that in a minute but first our friends at Manscapes, they're sponsoring the show today. Going for two here with our sponsors. Going for two with Manscaped. The football puns are incredible. Blitzing through hairs have never been easier. It's time to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code PFF at manscaped.com. You get 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. Uh, you kind of went viral with the little with your quote from yesterday. Well, look. Which was awesome. Somebody juxtaposed the PFF NFL podcast with ESPN, which was, you know, all Gruden all the time. And me mentioning that, you know, maybe I like to trim my nuts in the rain. Well, because you could do that with the lawnmower 4.0. Right, could this wasn't it. an unprompted comment. This was no. in reaction to the Manscaped read. It's because I was reminding people that the lawnmower 4.0 has the 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage travel lock and gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when you need a more precise shave. But most importantly, it's waterproof. Rain, snow, or sleet is no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. So you could be up in, you know, the frozen tundra of Green Bay. Just doesn't matter. Sleet. <laughs> just say they're just marketing geniuses over here at Manscaped. We've got your attention now. I was just saying, like, you know, at the weekend, I was trying to get in the headspace of the guy who was so traumatized by not being able to find a shirt that fit that he had to dedicate his life to making untuck it shirts. Yeah. Like, who who is out there in the sleet just gutted because they, they previously they've been unable to trim their pubes? Well, this is why Manscaped exists. They are problem solvers, and the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is, is here very, to take your defense to the next level. It's a very specific problem. They have a cutting-edge ceramic blade. 
to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. They created the technology, then they made it waterproof, and that's why there's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping. No. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code PFF, manscaped.com. All right, let's go to this other awesome game that I mentioned, Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns. The injury report, though, is dense. It is, it is thick. Dense. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of players on the injury report. We'll see what happens here. But on both sides. Yes, that's what I mean, on both sides of the ball. And some key players, guys that you know, were playing last week and the whole deal. Uh, Kyler Murray, even questionable with a right shoulder injury. I'm sure he'll play and be fine. But this is what happened. Remember, he got injured last year. And this, the drop-off that Arizona had may have coincided uh, a little bit with the shoulder injury. So uh, what are you looking for in this game? It should be a good one, though. It should be. Um, I, I do wonder whether this Arizona defense, if they're shorn of a couple of players, like they've already been – it feels like they've been overachieving based off the talent level on that defense or, you know, riding their luck or however you want to phrase it. I, I, I'm pretty confident that that offense is actually as good as it looks um, so far, but I'm not quite as sure that the defense is. And going up against this Cleveland offense that's just that just rolled through the Chargers, um, <clears throat> put up a ton of points, put up a ton of yards, particularly on the ground, like is this going to be the thing that, that breaks this Arizona defense or suddenly brings it back down to earth for the first time? Um, and then the other thing is like, we're on constant Baker Mayfield watch, right? Also, by the way, this is an interesting, like, uh, Kyler Murray versus Baker Mayfield. Sequential yeah. Oklahoma quarterback, sequential Heisman Trophy winner, sequential number one overall picks. Now they face <laughs> off, and Kyler Murray, like, career through the first five weeks of this season, they're heading in the opposite direction. Murray's star is in the ascendancy. He looks fantastic. Baker Mayfield is, is headed downwards, and we're like, why? where's this career year we were expecting? Yeah, and... Oh man, the Baker stuff. I keep going back and forth on these on these questions, right? I know so he's got the the shoulder injury. Yeah. Don't know how much that has been the left shoulder injury. Don't know how much that's been a factor. The stats were great last week. Uh, but again, how much is that inflated by a David and Joku just, you know, breaking a tackle, running 75 yards when you when you disconnect Baker's grades from the stats, the you know, again, one of my favorite things to do. Where's the grade? Where are the stats? I mean, he's grading-wise 24th as far as quarterbacks go, and statistically not incredible because he had that he had a rough game against the Vikings. But you know, he's about 18th, 19th in passer rating, high yards per attempt, high completion percentage. So the stats are good. The grades are not as good. So there's some sort of elevated so elevation from the scheme of the playmakers. I'm almost inclined to throw out that game against the Vikings because of the shoulder injury. Like I You're a big throw throw Browns games out. Guy. Only when they there's something there's a reason to throw them out. Like the dude like literally had his shoulder pop out and pop back in, tore labor. But he played a game in between. He didn't play a game in between. He, he played, played Chicago. He finished, it happened in week two. It happened in the Chicago game. I thought it was the it Houston was a pick, game. wasn't it? It's the Houston game, I believe. It's the it was Houston like, game. Wasn't it a pick that he it was a pick against Houston and then made he played against the Bears and then he played against the Vikings okay so he's played three games with it now that game there was just something completely off and he couldn't hit anything OBJ's um, fault if you throw out that game he jumps up in grading to like 12th which feels more accurate in terms of where he actually is which is outside of the top 10 where people thought he might get into this year based off the situation around him 
but not like the disaster. Like anytime Baker Mayfield makes a bad throw, there's like a whole cohort of people that are like, Baker sucks. Uh, I don't know why I need to keep telling you this. Baker's that's, a bad quarterback. That's my problem, though. So I've said this for years. The middle-tier quarterback elicits that response. Right. If you do watch the football on the Twitter. <laughs> watch the football. If you watch the football on the Twitter, right, and you are – you're, you're engaged with the two mediums, right? The football game and the Twitter machine. If you're engaged, here's one way to know if a quarterback lands in the middle tier, that tier three quarterback that we always talk about. If, if Twitter just moves like a roller coaster. And Lamar, this was, I think Lamar's above that though, but early Lamar, that was, that was him. This is Stafford. This is Goff. This is Wentz. Uh, this was Dak for a whole bunch of his career. Like, here's this really good thing a guy did. See, he's awesome. And, oh, here's this really bad thing this guy did. See, he's ne he'll never be a franchise quarterback. When people have these emotional responses that are at the end of an – that are just at extremes, then, then you're dealing with a quarterback where it's like, oh, I don't know. I just don't know if he's the guy. And I really think – we're talking about this game, but I think the Browns every single week are trying to figure out, is he going to be the guy for Yeah, us? well, this is the season – this is the reason that they haven't given him the extension already, right? It was this year. It's like, let's let him play out this season. And if he comes out and he does pick up where he left off last year, remember from like week eight onwards or something last season, he's the number two graded quarterback in the NFL. Like once the Browns got their crap together last year, Baker Mayfield was really, really good for an extended period of time. If he had continued, if the first five weeks of this season had looked like the end of last year, I think they may have already like re-upped his contract. They may have already given him the monster Josh Allen deal and been done. But it hasn't been. It's been more like somewhere, you know, previous Baker Mayfield, which has been all over the place. Um, and if he isn't capable of doing that, I think they, be, they end up with this really fascinating question for a team that we know is very analytically driven and very progressive in terms of value and team building strategy and all this kind of stuff you are now presented with the classic dilemma of you have a quarterback that's probably just below the matt ryan inflection point but his contract is due up so the data probably says you walk away from that guy but you are the team you are the franchise with the jersey with the 97 names hanging off it he stopped that jersey do you want to voluntarily toss that guy to the curb because theoretically finding quarterbacks is easier now than it used to be is it crazy that you you mentioned the stat what the browns were the first team to have like 500 yards and no turnovers and whatever the stat was and they lost the game 442 and one or something that is or 422 and one or something so the first team to do that and baker the, the stat line 23 for 32 for 305 two touchdowns a passer rating of 122.5 and we're, we're coming off that game, but I still have this sour taste in my mouth because they had, he had the ball to go win the game where, you, where you're not using the run to set up play action, where you don't have maybe your easiest pass concepts, but it's on you. And you are the game. You're, you become the dictator of the game as, as far as the, the pace and whether or not to take shots down the field, right? Shot plays early in the game are called by the coach. Here, we're going to run this play action. We're going to take a shot. Shot plays in the two-minute drill are run by the quarterback. I think there's a reason why the best quarterback, the Bradys and Paytons and Breezes, all those guys are the best at these things because they know how to do that. And, and Baker has not been good in those situations, and it comes down to it does land. It feels very Cousins-like. Yeah. It feels very Cousins-like. And it's not even that he just didn't achieve it. 
it's that he wasn't even close. Like, it was never in question. <clears throat> they picked up, you know, the first play, and then from that point on, that drive was just a complete and total mess. Um, and actually, you know, ironically, Cousins actually executed his drive perfectly. He had a sim- similar kind of shot with the Lions, went down a couple of big chunk plays, made the throws he needed to throw, and the Vikings win the game. So we probably need to stop <laughs> besmirching the Kirk Cousins name given how he's playing. I'm, using, he's, I'm not saying him now. I'm saying for the majority know, of his career. But at some Cousins, point, Cousins, Cousins has done much better stuff in the last At some point, Cousins probably deserves to elevate himself above that. Like the guy has the third best passing grade right now above Justin Herbert. Um, so, but Baker Mayfield, yeah, like there is a very real thing in every game the Browns are playing now where when they need to rely on Baker Mayfield to make the throws, can he do that? Like this is a very, very quarterback-friendly system most of the heavy lifting is being done by people not named Baker Mayfield. But at some point, the nature of quarterbacks in the NFL is you're going to need to make some throws and we're going to need you to do some part of this. And when that has happened, too often Baker Mayfield hasn't been able to do that. Now, that wasn't a problem in college and it wasn't a problem through some of his NFL career, but right now it's an issue. And that's the issue that's going to stop him getting a monster $200 million contract unless he figures that out in the next few weeks. Circling back down now to this game, as far as who's questionable for the Browns, everybody. Uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Miles Garrett, Malik Jackson, Tack McKinley, J.C. Treader, Malik McDowell, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom. This is literally every starter except Baker. Who's going to play? <laughs> now, again, I don't know. This could get off a whole different tangent. When you play this intense game, this 2032 NFL football game I just just described against the Chargers, are there? Does it affect your players? Do you because you you're running when you when you run more plays, there's more chances for injury. There's it's just harder to recover. I don't I don't know. Did the Browns just get beat up in this loss against the Chargers, where it's it's this intense 47 to 42 game? Uh, but. Well, I, I assume most of these guys are just resting and they're going to come back, but that's obviously that this is something we don't know here as of record time. Who's actually on the field for the Browns? And again, the Cardinals have issues of their own. Jordan we do know Hicks, a whole bunch of other guys. We do know that Chandler Jones is out. Rodney Hudson is out. Those are two pretty significant players. Obviously, Max Williams is out because the guy doesn't have a knee anymore. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Hopkins' illness, but he's also he's played a little banged up throughout the season. Hasn't been exactly himself. Yeah. Um, by comparison, the Browns don't have anybody that's ruled out. They just have a lot of people that are questionable. So the uh, like the way the line is moving in this game suggests that the Cardinals are the, the team that's less healthy than the Browns are, even though everybody is on the injury report on either side. Cardinals have the number two pass blocking grade in the NFL. Rodney Hudson's been the best pass blocking center in the league over the last 10 years. Kelvin Beecham also questionable. That would be the Browns' path here, I think, is having one of those dominant, assuming all those guys that are questionable are playing football, having one of those dominant games up front. And then we'll see, you know, again, if Miles Garrett has a chance to sack Kyler Murray, does he does he complete the play or is Murray breaking out and making big plays? Rodney Hudson, like he hasn't been as good this year as he's been in previous years, but part of his thing is being really good at executing line calls and making sure the the rest of the line is is doing the right thing. So even if, you know, even if Rodney Hudson not being in there doesn't have a massive impact in terms of one-on-one pass blocking with his replacement, it probably has a pretty significant impact on the overall offensive line of the blocking scheme generally. Anything else you're keeping an eye on 
in this game. I mean, it's it's another game. So Arizona's undefeated. Let's not forget. Yep. All that said, Cleveland's favored by three, by the way. So so Vegas and it's knows, getting bigger. In, yeah, so Vegas clearly is not completely buying in. Is what we try to remind people all the time and at any point during the season. Even when the Steelers were 11-0 last year, it's like, okay, they're not the best team in the NFL. They shouldn't be. Um, so people, the, Vegas, the people in Vegas don't believe Arizona is the best team in the NFL. Uh, PFF.com also does not believe they're the best team in the NFL. Do you have the power? Uh, number five the power in the power rankings. So they're up to number five, which is pretty good. Ahead of Cleveland, by the way, who are six. Yeah, it's but, that, but this is saying... Hey, we have them at five at six. Vegas has them pretty much as even teams because we're in Cleveland. Three, assuming they're still given a three-point difference. Uh, where are you going to lean on this one? It's a, it's another really good game and another intense one for the, for the Browns. Yeah, uh, I think those injuries for Arizona might be too big a problem. Uh, so I'm going to lean with Brown, with Cleveland and the points they'll cover. Baker going to bounce back and. I wouldn't go that far. Laugh at our uh, <coughs> our discussion here. I do, I do worry. You know, Arizona's highest graded player is JJ Watt. By the way, quietly still yeah. creating pressure, not necessarily getting a ton of sacks. But it's JJ Watt. It's Zayvon Collins, Buda Baker. I think Baker's fantastic, but it's also Robert Alford in the secondary. Byron Murphy's come back down a little bit, and Collins will probably play a lot this week as well. Given like he plays on their rundowns, so there are teams where he basically won't see the field. The Rams, for example, but when they play a team like the Browns or the 49ers he'll play a ton and so far he's done well you mentioned in the Chargers preview the Browns run game was fantastic last week so that'll be another key the Browns do have games where offensively they are just dominant but they just didn't win last week I'll take the Browns as well uh let's get into our uh with our DraftKings friends here another week of the NFL means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, new customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so this one is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook's not yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. It's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, the other game of the week, remember we always spend a little bit more time on the bigger games here, but Las Vegas Raiders at the Denver Broncos, of course, all the drama around the Raiders. John Gruden is out, and now they travel to Denver as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Denver favored over the Raiders' pair of three-and-two teams here in the AFC West. What are you looking for in this one? Yeah, I'm really interested in what this change does for the Raiders. So not so much the, you know, where are they emotionally after this week that's just been the kind of thing we were talking about with Urban Meyer and the Jags last last week. More um, like they're changing play callers, right? John Gruden was the guy running this entire offense. Now he's not in the building anymore. So what does this do? And more to the point, like, who is it even good for? Is it good for the Raiders because they had some problems they needed to work out anyway and actually a breath of fresh air might be useful? Or is it good for Denver because all of a sudden, like, you've got, you know, a completely new offense, essentially, or a completely new way of going about things, trying to get installed within a week, and you're going up against a really good defense. So I'm curious how they go about fixing the problems now that they have, 
not a clean slate. You know, it's not like he can come in here and like we're changing offenses, right? We're going to run something completely different. But what does he tinker between getting the job early in the week and facing Denver at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, one of the questions with, well, the thing that wasn't a question that we just never questioned was the offense of the Raiders. I don't want to say we never questioned it, but we felt more confident in their offense. I've repeated that many times. They think they'll get there. They've got guys to throw to. Derek Carr's a solid quarterback. You, you lose, I mean, I guess whatever stability was there with John Gruden as the guy leading that part of the that side of the, uh, of, of the team. And the biggest question was always the defense. They've been much better this year. Now, can they sustain that? Can they sustain the number two, pa- number one pass rush grade, number two coverage grade that they have? This is my weekly question with this team. Are they overachieving or are they just better than they've been? Um, because if all of that continues to play out, offense is solid and the defense rushes the passer and plays well in the back end, I mean, they're a playoff contender. And a game like this starts to separate these teams in the AFC West. Yeah, I mean, that, that's obviously where it's a huge game. But like, the Raiders' biggest issue on offense is their line, which is not right. good right now. They rank, where are they rank? Uh, 21st in pass blocking efficiency as an offensive line. Only six teams have given up more pressures than their offensive line, 65 in total. That's a lot. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, Alex Leatherwood has been a problem at right tackle. They've moved him into guard. He wasn't much less of a problem at guard. They just have some issues in that offensive line. And, and the worst run blocking grade by far. Yeah. Vegas is at, they have a 34 run blocking grade, which is absurdly bad. That the second worst team is the Steelers at 49. Right. So we're talking pass blocking hasn't been great for the Raiders. But when I always come back and say, you want to have options on offense, and they don't even have the option really to win with the run game despite having two pretty good running backs in Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. And, and Jacobs has been banged up. He's been playing so hurt. So he's not even been able to like maximize whatever he could do given the, the situation in front of him. Peyton Barber is averaging almost four yards after contact, which is actually more than he's averaging total. Like he's, he's gaining more yards after contact this season. He's got 147 yards after contact and 143 rushing yards. Like that's how bad this offensive line is right now. Um, and it's, it's a problem across the board. So that's a big part of this is how do, they, how do they try and protect that offensive line? It's a good team, I think, to be facing in Denver. I know they've got Von Miller, which is like a massive problem given the state of their right side of their offensive line. On the other hand, they kind of only have Von Miller. Like Von Miller accounts for like all of the Denver pressure. Um, and so Von Miller, oops, wrong team. Von Miller has... Quick, 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 pull it up. Von Miller has 19 total pressures. Nobody else has more than 11. Um, and then they just have a bunch of guys in single digits, half of whom are like linebackers and safeties as they're trying to blitz and get pressure from somewhere. And as much as like Miller's been good, he's been banked, but his pass rush grade is 74.5, which is fine. Like it's good. There's a lot of players in the NFL that would kill to have a 74.5 pass rushing grade. On the other hand, he went like, five straight seasons with a 90 plus pass rushing grade right and then the year where he sort of dropped off 2019 it was down to 71 and then obviously missed 2020 now he's back up to 74.5 it's like it's it's not back it's not back all the way von miller's still a really good player but he isn't the completely untouchable like pass rushing force that he was at his best so you know he'll still be a problem in this game but it's one you might be able to do something about Broncos gave up some a few big plays against the Steelers the other day too. That has not been 
their MO, right? They've done a really nice job of avoiding them. That's that's also, I think, one they of the They also just randomly got gashed on the ground. Like, yeah. it's it was bizarre. Pittsburgh's offensive line didn't grade well. Uh, or didn't grade, yeah, didn't grade well. Uh, Denver's defensive front didn't grade badly. And yet there was a big run lane every time they ran the ball. I'm not quite sure. It's generally, that generally means it's something down. they got out-schemed, right? They got out-gapped. Something, right. something happened there where the Steelers were just better. But there, uh, so it's a similar kind of deal in that you're facing another bad offensive line. Your defensive front should still be good. I wouldn't expect them to struggle against the run the way they did last week. Um, keeping an eye on Teddy Bridgewater here too, right? He, He's on pace for a career year, 79.2 PFF grade. He's only had really one poor game. It was the game he got concussed against the Ravens, just got off to a slow start in that one. Uh, can he sustain it? I want to see how he plays under pressure. His PFF grade is over 90 uh, under pressure. We, uh, I don't think it's, uh, it's high. It's, sorry, it's not over 90, but it's good. Um, he's playing well under pressure at the moment. That's one of those things that might be difficult to sustain in this game if he's under a ton of pressure against this really good pass rush. Um, so it's actually a sorry, it's a sixty, it's a sixty-three passing grade, which is on the higher end of the league when under pressure. Most most guys are down at forty or whatever. It's about Lamar Jackson. It's about where Lamar is. Can can he keep it up under pressure? I was looking at his um, sorry, his passer rating ninety-four. Like all his stats are good under pressure. Does that regress a little bit for Bridgewater, especially going up against this really nice defensive front that the Raiders all of a sudden have? Yeah, Max Crosby going up against Bobby Massey. This part of your run where you're like, hey, Max Crosby can continue his uh, his I mean, streak here. Massey is a step up over the abysmal tackles that Max Crosby has been largely facing, but he's a player that you would expect him to win if he is, you know, this elite pass rusher that he's playing. Like, um, I think next week, I forget who they're playing next week, but next week was the week I had pegged for like the first good right tackle he's facing. Uh, so where are you going to go in this one? I am a little surprised that Denver's favored by three and a half. I know it's at home. That's assuming these teams are very close to equal. But I, I think I'd be leaning Raiders on this one. Uh, I think Denver will win, but I think the Raiders will cover. I, I think there's enough about them that this will be close. I like the way they match up against Denver to get that offense back on track. Uh, both teams 3-2, and two, so unless there's a tie. Somebody's coming out of here 4-2, and two, and you we're, we're thinking, okay, one of these teams is... We're starting to think that they're for real in the AFC West through six weeks. I mean, I think it's probably more that, like, the team that loses this is is in trouble in that division. They're the fool's gold? Not even loses. the – yeah, maybe fool's gold or maybe just, like, you're the team that gets punted to the bottom of the division because, like, it's, it's really hard for four teams in the same division to all be good at the same time. It is. Yeah, Record-wise. Got to play each other. All right, so you're going to take Denver? Denver to, to win. win, Raiders to cover. I'll take Raiders to win and cover this one. So I'm going the underdog here. Raiders on the road. All right, we're going to fly through the rest of the slate here, starting with Sunday Night Football. Seattle Seahawks at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. Well, <laughs> see, we'll see what Geno Smith does here. They might be the Seahawks. Might be the Seahawks defensively. Something's got to give. Pittsburgh's pass game against Seattle's pass coverage. Right? Something? Yeah. Something's I mean, got to give. Pittsburgh's passing game showed up last week they had a, randomly yeah. against a really good coverage unit from denver this is this has been my point with pittsburgh the whole time if you just and they weren't even that aggressive if you just chuck it down the field you have a few games where chase claypool takes over when you do that you're going to have a game like the bengals game where they scored 10 and it's ugly you'll have a game like last week where you hit on some of those big plays and you do just enough to win which is what they did i mean that's the best way to play for the steelers 
They also ran the ball better last week. That was huge, actually, having other ways of moving the ball. Um, but I think it, they have to do something to create chunk plays. So Pittsburgh throwing the ball down the field, and you have the Chase-Claypool game where Chase just creates the big plays that nobody else besides yeah, Deontay Johnson can create them too. That's their, that's their chance. And I think they'll have a chance to do that against the Seattle defense. They just re- uh, released Trey Flowers. He's been a mediocre corner for them for a while. And they're, they're just trying to figure it out in the secondary in Seattle. They are, yeah. Um, it feels it, – I mean, that's the big question to me is, like, was, that, was last week just a sort of fluke for Pittsburgh? Um, not just with the passing game, actually, but, like, that success they had on the ground against Denver. Can they do that again despite not having a particularly good offensive line and run blocking that doesn't really function? Or was that like a blip? Because so far this season, they haven't really been able to get anything going <clears throat> on the ground. And I think that's a big part of why they haven't had a more aggressive passing attack because they just don't have a platform across the board. All of a sudden, they were able to run the ball and get into some decent situations. And then they took some shots. And when they take some shots, good things happen. So the whole question this week is, can they repeat any of that? Like, can they get success on the ground? Can they be aggressive with the passing game? Because Seattle's corners are there to be attacked. Um, but if I don't think they will even attempt it that much if they just can't move on the ground. We had a really good discussion about the other side of the ball yesterday about Geno Smith taking over for Russell Wilson. Uh, you're asking, are, are there the, is there this hidden playbook that the, that the Seahawks are going to pull out? This playbook that they just wouldn't run with Russell Wilson? Not are they going to pass on early downs more? Are they going to... Other gonna... people. What? I was merely repeating the questions raised by others. Other people are, are asking this. Is there this secret three and five step game that Gino's going to, you know, have? He's going to have access to that part of the playbook that they wouldn't run with Russ. I, I think my question is, how, how are they going to... How the Seahawks going to make Geno Smith comfortable? The number I pulled out yesterday that is my concern is the three-second average time to throw in Geno's career. He's always held the ball too long without the benefit of the other guys who hold the ball too long being able to scramble, make plays, uh, or t- you know just create chunk plays, have big-time throws down the field. How can the Rams get rid of the ball, get it out of Geno's hands, get the ball into DK Metcalf's hands and into their playmaker's hands, uh, figuring out how to do that against this Pittsburgh defense is going to be key here. Yeah. <clears throat> I think generally what their game plan is with Geno is going to be fascinating to watch. I, I don't – obviously he's a much worse quarterback than Russell Wilson. But I do think there is some unknown in terms of how much of – I think it's accepted across the board that Seattle is not playing to its full potential with Russell Wilson at quarterback, right? Now the debate is whose fault is that? Is that Pete Carroll's fault? Is that Russell Wilson's fault for stylistically skewing towards more inefficient means of playing the game? Like, where is the blame in all of that? Um, This will, I think, answer some of those questions. This is a lot like, remember when Aaron Rodgers had kind of gone off the boil and it was like, is Rodgers in a rut? Is this Mike McCarthy's fault? Is this the receiver? Like, where is the blame here? Yeah. And then like McCarthy leaves. I'm like, okay, well now at least we'll get an answer. Like whose fault was it? This feels a little bit similar. Like, it's not that Russell Wilson is bad. In fact, he's the second highest graded quarterback in the NFL right now. But I think everybody accepts that this unit is capable of more. And I think most people blame Pete Carroll for that. And, you know, there are reasons for that. Like, yeah. guys out at press conference being like, ah, the analytics will tell you to go for it every fourth down, but they don't know. 
like he is clearly more conservative than is um, than is most efficient in today's NFL. I, I, it's just not arguable at this stage. Russ is grading so well because he's creating big time throws. Right. It's always been his thing, right? But this offense has been too top heavy this year. That's what I keep repeating, right? The the big plays have been there. The other plays where Shane Waldron, new offensive coordinator, was supposed to make them a little bit more efficient hasn't been there yet. Maybe and, and maybe is that a rust thing, or is that just they're not there yet? And that that'll that I think is what we're hinting at here. Are those plays are just getting five yards on first down, eight yards on first down, just getting moving the ball more efficiently, creating positive EPA more often? Is that going to happen with Geno Smith? I don't know, but we'll see if this offense looks a little bit different here. Um, as far as the line on this one, Sunday Night Football, Steelers by five and a half. A Pittsburgh team that has one of the worst offenses in the league this year, favored by five and a half. Don't think it's crazy, though. I don't really? think it's crazy. I think it's kind of crazy. You do? <laughs> yeah. Gino looked good on last Thursday night, but man, I... I don't. I don't, I don't even think. Know. I don't think Gino is good. I don't. I don't. I, there's there's a real danger that over the last two days I'm going to come off as some kind of Gino apologist and a Russell Wilson hater. I think Gino Smith is a dramatically worse quarterback than Russell Wilson. Wilson going to remember that. Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Gino Smith is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. Uh, so there's a huge gulf between the two of them. On the other hand, like Roethlisberger hasn't been good this year. The Steelers haven't been good this year. They've randomly got a win in week one that nobody understands anymore, right, against Buffalo. And then last week, they somehow, all the problems with their offense were fixed for a week against Denver, who have one of the better defenses in the NFL. So they have two wins, neither of which makes any sense. I'm just not, I don't see that happening again this week. And if it doesn't, and they go back to just being this team that can't run the ball, and every fourth down attempt is a swing pass to Najee Harris for negative yards, like then they're probably not winning against even a Geno Smith-led offense. The uh, PFF ELO rankings have Seattle as the number 32. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh is the number 32 offense. The very worst offense yeah. in the league. We have Seattle at 27, presumably because we're projecting Geno Smith as the quarterback as of right now. Um, but they just haven't – Seattle's defense hasn't been good. But Pittsburgh does have the defensive advantage here. And I also keep coming back to this whole, like, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. Like, this is – if he's going to get to his eight or nine wins this year, like, this is one of them that they're going to pick up as favorites. I like Pittsburgh. Covering five and a half with that offense might be tough, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to take Pittsburgh. I mean, it's one that they would need to pick up. They if, would need to pick up. If they're not going to suck. But there's taking a big the debate as to whether they suck. Are you taking Seattle to win or just to cover? <laughs> I definitely cover. Uh, no, I can't back a Geno Smith-led team to win, but they will cover. Now you're not a Geno apologist. Not enough, at least. I can't. I mean, I just... Geno Smith, I can't, I can't do it. All right, another one of the best games of the week. Bills-Titans. Monday Night Football. It's another five-and-a-half-point game. It's Buffalo, though. Favored by five-and-a-half on the road in Tennessee. Uh, Buffalo becoming the darlings of the NFL. Uh, both, I think, perception-wise, but also in our power rankings. They moved up to number one. Number one in the PFF power rankings. Uh, defense has been fantastic. Josh Allen, we saw a great game from him. I mean, high-end potential for what Buffalo can do in a given week is as good as it gets around the league with their defense, coverage unit. They've allowed one 20-plus yard pass now. It was the one against Kansas City the other night, one for five, Mahomes thrown down the field. Um, a lot of good things happening in Buffalo right now. Um, especially after that week one loss yeah. to the Steelers that you just referenced. 
Would it shock you to learn that Buffalo's offensive PFF ELO ranking is lower than Tennessee's? It would surprise me, yeah. yeah. And it's and I assume it's because Tannehill's still grading well, and Allen Allen has had some bad games in there. Yeah, and I know he's pl- he's played in some rough conditions too. I'm always an apologist for rain and all that stuff, but it, what we do here is not just think about the uh, the Sunday night game that we just last saw. Josh Allen was throwing the ball directly to linebackers against the ty- the Texans throughout the game, and nothing nothing was caught by Texans linebackers. He is still playing with fire, so to speak. Now, the positively graded plays. The, 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 the positive stuff from Allen has always been great and fantastic. Um, if, he pl- if he throws the ball to linebackers in this game against a good Tennessee offense with Derrick Henry, with Tannehill playing well, presumably with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown back on the outside, then you're playing with fire, and it's, and it's dangerous. But that's why. I mean, that's, that's me explaining, I think, why. There are hidden plays in Josh Allen's game this year where he just hasn't, hasn't played great. Overall, he's been good but not at the same level as last year yet. Not yet. Yeah, true. Um, I think it's an interesting game. Like Julio Jones is still questionable. They might not have him back, but he returned to practice. Um, I'm but just I, hoping. Outside of that, they they do have those, the, the dudes. They're, they're ready to roll, right? Derrick Henry has been just crushing people again. Buffalo's run defense has been a lot better this year than it was last season. They're not giving up a ton on the ground They were the way they were last season, even if they're inviting teams to run still. Does that hold up against Derrick Henry, who's, you know, an unstoppable force generally? Um, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this game. Like, I know it's Buffalo are, are fairly heavily favored. What's the line now? Like five and a half. Five and a half. What we, what we have. Um, I think they're fairly heavily favored. I think it's for a good reason, but I think a healthier Tennessee team could make this closer than people are expecting it to be? Yeah, I I don't think people should be sleeping on the Titans um, because they have they did lose to the Jets a couple weeks ago. I, I just think what you described in their offense has has been them over these last couple of years. You don't always expect it, but, but at the end of the day, the Titans like put 30 points on the board fairly often and you don't, and it doesn't always feel comfortable on the way, you know, it doesn't always feel predictable. But Tannehill's been one of the most accurate quarterbacks of the league the last couple of years. He played pretty well with this depleted group of playmakers. He's played well with them. He's had a lot of good throws this year dropped. So the, the actual efficiency numbers are down, but his grade is solid. Uh, Tannehill's picked up a lot of yards on the ground this year and converted. I think it's going to feel like the old heavyweight fight feel. I think the Bills are a better team. I think they pull it off. I think it's going to be a good Monday night game, though. The betting, by the way, has like zero faith in Tennessee. Even with the five and a half point line, 91% of the cash is coming in on Buffalo to cover that. 80% of the the actual bets, the tickets. Um, The money line, 98% of the money is coming in on Buffalo. uh, And 85% of the, the tickets. Like, nobody has Tennessee with a prayer in this. Even of a prayer of covering. Like, they just, this is all Buffalo. Do you believe in that, or is that is that an emotional response because because of Sunday Night Football because of prime time? I mean, I believe in it a little bit. <laughs> I think they are better in. I think they're better in both areas, even if the ELO rankings favors Tennessee a little bit in offense. I think obviously they're a dramatically better defense than Tennessee's. 
But is there going to be a letdown, though, when you beat the Chiefs like that? The Bill, how I, much do the Bills put everything into that Chiefs game? I just think that there, it, it's, it's very – you shouldn't overstate how much of an imposing figure Tennessee's freak athletes are when they're on the field. So we still haven't really seen A.J. Brown hit a stride this season. Tannehill is still playing really well. Derrick Henry is still freaking unstoppable. If they get Julio Jones back in this game – like, you still have the same problems that everybody else has of can you match up against these athletes? Like, even if Tredavious White can take away one of those guys, that means Levi Wallace is stuck trying to cover Julio Jones or A.J. Brown. And as much as I love Levi Wallace, that's a tough ask. Um, as much as your defensive front has been much better this year, can any of those guys stop Derrick Henry? Like, Tennessee's offensive line has been pretty good that, as a run-blocking unit. Like, we, this is an interesting game. We have focused a lot on that side of the ball, but I think that is where Tennessee has that advantage, right? They're running Derrick Henry he'll get his yards they'll shorten the game a little bit my question is tennessee's defense right can they slow down the bills and we mentioned the other night josh allen being used in the designed running game now having just their backs are tough to tackle dawson knox you know really breaking out at tight end emmanuel sanders is still really good at getting open and stefan dick i mean there's buffalo is tough to cover they are tough to stop and tennessee has really struggled defensively this year yeah so that as much as i think the tennessee titans offense keeps them in this game i don't think they can stop the bills now i'm talking myself back into the bills here i mean i think that's why they are heavily favored and i think that's why it's probably right i think if they're gonna if tennessee has any shot in this game it's going to be in a shootout and trying to keep pace with their offense which i think is possible but anytime you're kind of relying on that it's probably a good reason to roll with the favorites and even the points like i think I'll Buffalo. take Buffalo to win it in a close one. I'll take Tennessee's. I'll take the five and a half. Okay, I'm glad you're doing that so I don't have to. I'm going to, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to take Buffalo and the points, but I do think there's a chance that Tennessee does keep this close. Somebody, by the way, in the YouTube comments was saying that the uh, look at you. the solo shots here look amazing. But the, um, he, to the next line is, but the glare off, and I thought he was going to say my head, but actually he's criticizing the glare off the desk here. The, oh, uh, okay. The shine. Is, uh, I'm glad he didn't mention It's pretty here. tough. But I'm when I was reading that, I was thinking, oh, it's, it's going to be, you're like it's gonna be a ball response. Right. It's going to be a bald shot right here. Yeah, our solo shots look amazing. But Apparently, that's, yeah, just, that's, uh, that's just my deep-seated insecurities right, rushing to the surface. I didn't know that you were diving into the YouTube comments. Appreciate everybody who always you know, watches on YouTube live. Don't, be, don't forget to give that thumbs up, help it go viral, and spread the word. PFF NFL podcast. Uh, Green Line has a slight edge on the Titans. So I'm, okay. I'm believing Green Line. Uh, you can believe Green Line too with 25% off all of our products. PFF Podcast gives you the promo code NFLPOD. Exclusive here. No one else has this promo code. 25% off any PFF subscription. NFL Pod. Yeah, you don't have to wait for a random flash sale anymore. You can just by virtue of being a PFF NFL Podcast listener, one of, the one of our millions and millions of listeners, who are awesome, by the way, because we're raising tons of money. And if you're in the YouTube chat, you can just drop it in there so people can read it too. Promo code NFLPOD. You could also NFL do that pod. yourself. I mean, what? You could also do that yourself. I'm I mean, not typing into the chat. Why not? I never, I never chat. You never chat. I read the chat. I don't, I don't go in there. Go ahead and type it in right, for the people to see fine. it. Promo code is NFLPOD, 25% off. All right, let's go Dallas Cowboys at the New England Patriots. Cowboys favored by three and a half in New England. Uh, this looks like a pretty good game. Patriots, you know, how much. How much, you've mentioned this too, like how much do they put into stopping Tom Brady? Rain game, Sunday night, whatever. Because their defense looked great. Other than that, their defense has not been great this entire season. Uh, we're still wondering exactly what Mac Jones is. NFL pod, right? 
NFL pod. There we go. Yes. We're still wondering exactly what Mac Jones is. Can he get the ball down the field a little bit more efficiently? They they almost lost to the Texans last week. Uh, if the Patriots are going to make a playoff run, like they needed that game, they probably need a game like this against Dallas, even though they're underdogs here. Uh, my, what I'm looking for is always what the New England defense tries to take away because it is tough stopping Dallas right now. They're running the ball yeah. really well, but you have Amari Cooper, you have C.D. Lamb, you have the great Dalton Schultz working in the middle of the field. Cedric Wilson. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. What is Belichick likes to take, take away what you do best? Well, everybody's good in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something to watch for, particularly, as you say, like how much was that, like, let's just focus crazily on Tom Brady. And it's difficult to know, like, how successful that actually was given the rain, et cetera. Like, how much was them slowing them down versus the conditions slowing them down? And ultimately, like, at the end, there were a couple of touchdowns thrown to Antonio Brown, neither of which he came up with because the first one that he lost in the lights or whatever, and the second one he just didn't catch. Um, lost in the moon. The moon. Maybe, yeah. Um, but, like, you know what I mean? They could have had more production than they actually ended up having in that game. So how successful is whatever it is Bill Belichick dials up these days? And then, obviously, the other thing is Mac Jones. Like, we are, we've reached this point where none of the rookie quarterbacks are playing particularly well. Mac Jones has been the best of the group, but it's largely just been, like, taking what's there, being pretty accurate, not, you know, not doing a whole, an awful lot with the ball. And, like, bad plays have been creeping in there as well. Like, he has quite a lot of turnover-worthy throws. Um, and when you're not, like, this is, it's like if you're going to be Alex Smith, which is what he's essentially being so far as a rookie, if you're going to be Alex Smith, you can't turn the ball over because you're not bringing enough to the table on the positive side to offset any throw you hit a linebacker with. That's so, what's been absurd about Mac Jones. The, the reason why people have come away impressed with Mac Jones is you just don't see him miss throws, like just overthrows, underthrows. You just don't right. see inaccurate throws. But like last week, he only had a handful of negatively graded throws for us, but three were turnover-worthy plays. As you're saying, like when he is bad, it is bad as in like I'm firing it to a safety, I'm firing it to a linebacker. He did that a few times last week, got away with some stuff. But I think what people are impressed about is that he just continues to complete passes, complete passes, complete passes. It, it has felt... Uh, they have not been great in the red zone. Last week was better. He did have that really nice, what ended up being the game tying touchdown on the corner route. Um, so they're getting better there. But that's that's that next step. I think Mac Jones needs to cut down on some of the poor decisions, play better in the red zone, whether it's schematically or Jones, because they were also conservative last week. I mean, there were wide receiver screens left and right in uh, on pivotal downs. Yeah, you just you need to do one of two things. You either need to stop throwing the ball at defenders in high leverage situations, or you need to open up and be significantly more productive and aggressive with the ball between those plays, right? Those are your two things. The one thing you can't do is have those critical turnover-worthy plays if you're going to be a fairly conservative, high-efficiency kind of passer. Like, that is the only thing that made Alex Smith viable for a decade is that he was the most turnover-averse quarterback in the NFL. And you go, okay... We're not going to get a lot out of Alex Smith in the passing game, but what we are going to get is safety with the football. We're not going to turn it over, right? And we can work with that. But you can't, you can't work with that if you're going to turn it over as well. Like, that's where something needs to change. So Mac Jones, at this point, needs to progress from just, 
you know, the, the metaphor we had earlier, right? We're congratulating for being able to tie his own shoelaces. You need to get beyond that now. Like you are, now you're 15 years old and we're no longer impressed by that. I'll tell you what, I mean, it's, it's early. It doesn't matter, but the, we're having the same discussion that we often have about Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Like if you're going to be Alex Smith. Similar spectrum. The, when I was watching Mac Jones, like from an evaluation standpoint, Teddy Bridgewater is the first QB that came to mind. It just felt like this Teddy Bridgewater type of game. He'll distribute and get it out there and, uh, you know, can do a really good job if he's got good playmakers and the whole deal. Um, so look, overall, Mac Jones against a Dallas Cowboys defense that has been turning the ball over, Trayvon Diggs, and he's banged up too, but he's had his six interceptions in the whole thing. Um, it's another... It's another challenging test for the Cowboys as they're trying. I know it's it's an AFC NFC game, but it's still in New England. It's it's not easy going to the Patriots haven't won at home yet. It's not easy winning there though. Still in the whole thing, it's just another test for the Cowboys. Sounds kind of easy. If they so, haven't I mean, won yet, <laughs> three games. They've only played two games there. Three games, whatever it is. Maybe I mean, it is easy for Dallas. I think this is a it's an opportunity to show that they're like legit legit like if you're dallas and you're right now riding high at the top of your division you are not really in the discussion yet in terms of like best teams in the nfl you know real super bowl contenders like even in our the pff power rankings they're number 10 like way behind a couple of teams with some dramatically inferior quarterbacks um like this is a chance to say no look the 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 simulations have them with an 88% chance of making the playoffs, an 83% chance of winning the division. So we anticipate them getting there. But so far, we're not yet confident that once they get to the playoffs, they can beat the likes of Tampa Bay, the likes of uh, Green Bay, the Rams, whoever it is. So this is a game where they can go, no, 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 we're actually way better than that. We're going to go into New England. We're going to stomp them because they're not as good as we are. We're going to roll an offense. We will still be better on defense than people anticipate. And here we are. Like, Dallas is for real. I think there's a few teams that are in that boat this week. Like, if you're going to be considered one of the best teams in the NFL, like Dallas is aspiring to, when you have this three-and-a-half-point, when you're a three-and-a-half-point favorite, you just take care of business that week. I think Dallas, I think Buffalo is in a similar boat. I mean, the Rams are favored by a lot against the Giants, but there's a lot of teams that just have to, you know, show that they're one of the best teams. I think Dallas is in that boat for sure. Love the way their offense is playing. I think it's going to be tough for Belichick to do what he does and and slow them down. Patriots are going to try to slow this thing down a little bit, but I like Dallas to I mean, win yeah. the cover. Our, our defensive rankings have these two teams essentially in the same place, 24 and 25, yeah. um, which for New England is an underachievement, which for Dallas I think is an overachievement based off where they were a year ago. But that means that the entire difference between the two teams is offense. And if like if that is your analysis – the difference between these two teams is how good each offense is. Dallas should destroy the Patriots based off the really? fact that their offense is way better. Really? They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, the best based off our most recent power rankings. They have a quarterback who's way better than Mac Jones. They have receivers who are way better than anything New England can deploy. Way better. Yeah. You're telling me they're not way better than New England's receivers? I, I was saying Dak over Mac. Yes. I mean, he's better. Yeah, yeah. Way he's better. Like all right, probably, yeah. Yes. Okay, so everything about the offense says they are dramatically a better side, at which point they should win, they should cover comfortably. Man, it's another, I mean, the, the post-Brady era, if the New England falls to two and four, you're still circling back to those stories, right? Like, what is New England? 
after Brady. I know they're they're working through a rookie quarterback, but it's a big one. It's a big one for both teams here. Dallas trying to move to five and one. Patriots trying to avoid going two games under five hundred. I like Dallas to win and cover here. There you go. See. I'm with you. I said that. Uh, Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. You finally get to see Justin Fields now trying to knock off the you know the perennial division champ, the oh, Packers. Okay, yeah. Right? Fields against the Packers. Packers are favored by four in Chicago. Um, what are you looking for in this one? So all the focus will be on Justin Fields. As I just said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but quietly, Aaron Rodgers is ranked 18th in PFF passing grade, or PFF grade this year, which is one spot behind Mahomes, who we're sort of quietly wondering, like, what's happened to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Rodgers... Hold on, really quick. Have you done the eliminate one game thing for Rodgers here? What game do you want to eliminate? The first one. The first one. The first one, he was a disaster. I have. Let me do that now, and we can... I can do that while you're I'm already, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. I I did tweet a stat yesterday that I thought was significant. It surprised me. Uh, Five-plus yard throws down the field, and we chart accuracy... We take out throwaways. We take out plays where it's pretty much contested or whatever. It is. But uncatchable passes down the field. Rodgers has the highest percentage. And then after that, hold on, just hold it for a second. After Rodgers is all the rookies: Trevor Lawrence and Zach Will, uh, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Sorry, you can. Uh... I'm just not interested in your statistic. Um, if you eliminate the Week One game, he actually jumps up to exactly the same place as Baker Mayfield did, number twelve. Twelve. Yeah. So Rodgers and Baker are the same quarterback. Uh, if you eliminate their worst games. If you eliminate their yes. worst games. Take, take out every QB's worst games here. Um, but so Rodgers really hasn't been that good this year. He had like his best game was the 49ers game, and that was Sunday night, right? So that probably skews like how good he And he was great at the end. He led that, you know, right. two throw comeback. But which the was like, fantastic. primetime game was his best game. So the yeah. in the opinion of where Rodgers is this year is probably higher than it should be. Um, but like all of a sudden, he's not where he was a year ago and this team is still so reliant on Rodgers and it's not to say that Rodgers is playing badly universally and every game like even that first game where he was terrible there was at least one throw in there that was ridiculous that like you know trademark Rodgers flicking it into a window that doesn't really exist and somehow it passes by a defender by inches and lands into the hands of his receivers. It was incredible. Even in that first game, there was one of those. There's been at least one of those in every single game this year. So if you're going through, like, looking for highlights, you'll find plays where Rodgers looks like Rodgers. But the baseline is nowhere near where it was the past couple of – or last season. Yeah, he's putting the ball in harm's way a little bit more than usual and just missing more throws than usual. And and so if he continues on this trend, Rodgers, he probably grades in the 80s. Right, so you continue to play. He's playing solid football right now after that first game. He probably grades in the 80s. He probably lands in the top 10. But that's where he was when we were asking about the Rodgers. Right, that's back to, like, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers' territory. It is. Um, and that was the point we made coming in. Are the, are the Packers so reliant on elite Aaron Rodgers and high-end Aaron Rodgers? And, and then the same thing with Devontae Adams. Can any team just slow him down? Because he is targeted left and right. I saw people on, on the Twitter machine talking. Like, it's not as simple as cover Devontae Adams. They're also scheming him up really well. So it's not as simple as, like, oh, just put all your attention toward him. The Packers do a really good job of scheming him open. Um, but are the Packers too reliant still on just Rodgers and Adams? And if they don't dominate, this team is in trouble. I think it's a, I think it's a concern. I don't know if it shows up against the Bears. The Bears' defense is has been weird because I think the efficiency is good. The grading hasn't always been good for the Bears. 
Um, but their defense is going to have to play a good game, I think, in this one to keep it close. Yeah, and look, people are going to point to the situation around Rodgers not being quite as good, specifically his offensive line. You know, no David Bakhtiari for the year. Elton Jenkins went down pretty early as well, having been the guy that looked like he could step in. This guy called you a moron. Yeah. The YouTube chat. Okay. Um, he said morons, so I think it's both of us. Yes, plural morons would be you as well. Uh, but Rodgers has only been under pressure 28% of the time this season. It was 24 last year, so it is worse. But 27 is like a really good number. Like there are quarterbacks under pressure 45% of the time. If you're under pressure 27% of the time, you are laughing. Now, the big difference is when he's been under pressure this year, he's got a grade of 38. Whereas uh, last year... Last year was probably 80, 82. No, 67.4. But the point, like last year, 67 grade, eight touchdowns, one interception, um, like big time throw rate of eight percent all went under pressure this season big time throw rate is five percent doesn't have a touchdown has two picks like he's been bad so he ha it's not i don't think that the offensive line is now a miserable you know it's, it's a terrible unit it's a reason for rogers being so much worse than a year ago it might be incrementally worse it's not as good obviously as when you have david bakhtiari but he's just not playing as well on the other side of the ball it, it I always said this about uh, Joe Burrow last year, like when he was playing the Steelers. You, know, you get this, your division rival, and you get your new quarterback. And like, when does Burrow have that moment that just gives the Bengals hope that they can compete with the Steelers, so they can compete with the Ravens, they can compete with these teams that have been beating them up for years? Um, the Bears aren't exactly in that boat, but I mean, I guess with the Packers, they are. The Packers have been beating them up for years, other than 2018 when the Bears won the division. Is is it too early for the moment? Right when the the does Justin Fields have a fourth quarter comeback or something that sparks Bears fans into like, all right, now we're competing with the Packers. This is last, there's no more Rodgers going forward. This is our division. Is it too early to start looking for that dramatic moment or we just want Fields to make it through a game and just play a little bit better than he has to this point? I think last week was big for them. Like they, I was concerned that last week had the potential to be another Browns game for Justin Fields and the Chicago offense, and it wasn't. They were fine. They were functional. Now, Fields wasn't great, but that's to be expected, right? He's a young rookie quarterback, and apparently all of them are not great this year. Uh, so this, I have no concerns now about whether he can be out there and sustain, you know, play in the face of like a, a legit defense. So... I think for Fields, you just watch, like, what can he do? Can he continue to make those big-time throws? Can he try and improve? You know, he's got a real bad habit of causing some of his own problems in terms of, like, he almost injured himself last year by trying to outrun a dude he couldn't outrun. Last week with the... Yeah, yeah last week. With the um, ankle, yeah. Like, early. got himself tangled up. That was a play he should never have made. Like, yep. you got to know when you have to get rid of the football and when you can make those plays. And that's going to be a big thing for him just understanding the difference between college and the NFL. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I mean, it's um, of all the defenses that you were worried about for a while, the Packers was like the easiest one that he's playing, but it's but it's the Packers. It's a division game. Um, I think I think Fields has a game similar to the Lions. I think we see the I think we see the competitor in Fields step up, make some of those big time throws, try to try to match Aaron Rodgers on the other side. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I like I like the Packers to win. Covering the four, I think it could be close. I'll, I'll take the Packers overall because I think there's there's just still some volatility with Fields and what to expect, throw for throw. But I would not be surprised if it's one of those games where Fields has a couple couple bad plays, a couple of those big-time throws. You feel optimistic if you're a Bears fan. 
and you're just you're like, hey, we're, this is one more game until we don't have to see Aaron Rodgers in this division anymore. <laughs> if you're a Bears, that's what that's what I think ends up becoming the outcome here. But four points, I'll take the Packers to cover it on the road. Yeah, same. I think there's just too much of a difference right now between Rodgers and Justin Fields, but it should be an interesting game to watch because of Fields and because of the volatility that we've seen from Rodgers. Rodgers' play, though, is what we should be keeping an eye on. Like, does he does he get back to he's the top three guy, or is he just a top ten quarterback this year? And there, it does change the Packers' outlook. Right, he's remember, always capable of great play. And remember, Green Bay is still down Jair Alexander. Their cornerback situation is pretty rough. Like, there are areas yeah. to attack if you're Chicago. All right, Kansas City Chiefs at the Washington Football Team. Chiefs by seven and a half. Uh, the football team, just some of the 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 weirdest splits overall i feel like we always say this every week but for the win in the trenches people the football team has the number two pass rush grade the number two pass blocking grade in the nfl and they can't they're not great offensively and they i mean they're okay offensively but they can't stop anybody defensively because they've got the second worst coverage grade uh of all the uh, it's not a surprise they're playing a lot of good teams it's another challenge against against mahomes so that's the thing though like it, up until now like kansas city's defense is the worst in the nfl on the other hand they face is it five sequent like five good offenses in a row to start the season yeah so it kind of makes sense right to a degree like we it probably shouldn't be as bad as it's looked so far but it's faced four really good offenses and the eagles who are capable of having big games like this is the first game where you're like okay if we still can't stop anybody, now we've got some real issues. Like, if this is the first opportunity, I think, for Kansas City's defense to bounce back and at least look not wretched. Like, if they can show up and do something against the Washington football team, you know, cause some issues, force them to punt occasionally, not just get ripped to pieces left, right, and center, then we can start thinking, okay, there is a path where Kansas City's offense stops turning the ball over and they go on a run of wins and the defense just holds up its end of the bargain every now and again but if they get ripped to pieces by washington the same way they have everybody else i mean kansas city's in real trouble because the offense needs to be at its peak like it's it's maximum over the last few years to just win enough games to get back on top of that division when you look at this on paper you would say okay the the actual matchup to watch the football team's uh defensive line i mentioned the pass rush grade is good for the football team their defensive line against this chiefs offensive line is a good matchup but there's just been open throw after open throw jack del rio running the the football team's defense i think that's kind of been del, they were good last year but del rio's defenses historically have not been great and the, the coverage shell has not been all that challenging for opposing quarterbacks historically i'll say so there should be open throws again from Mahomes. i was re-watching the bills game and the bills just did such a good job just taking away the open throws for the most taking away Tyreek taking away Kelsey and I think you know that whole like if you hit Derek Carr early you get to him I do think if you take the big plays away from Mahomes early and it's not a strategy it's still not a strategy it's a hope but I think if that's the way it plays out he becomes a he can become a little impatient if he wants to hit the ball hit the deep shots and doesn't have the opportunity he'll start to play out of structure a little bit we did see that against like the Bills it is still a strategy. I mean, it's not really. It is. If the, 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 this is why it's not a strategy. The strategy to beat Brady was like, all you have to do is pressure him from the inside with four. 
That's all you have to do. So something that a defensive lineman does like 20% of the time, you want him to start doing it 50% of the time in a game. It's not a strategy. It's a prayer. Uh, just cover Tyreek Hill. Just cover him. Cover Travis Kelsey. That's all you have to do. It's a strategy. The Bucks did it. Anybody could do it. It's a strategy. You done? It's a prayer. Can I explain to you why it's a strategy? Oh, yeah, yeah sure. So the, the idea of if we can hit him early we can knock him out of his game and make him uncomfortable and make him play worse right there are things you can do to have a greater chance of being able to hit the quarterback early now it's not that they're without sacrifice right you can blitz the living crap out of him send eight guys every play you're probably going to hit him you might give up some big plays as well but you will hit him more than if you don't so there is a strategy that says we are going to be hyper aggressive in the first quarter really get after him hit him and then dial it back when we think he's going to have like taken his medicine now he's not going to be playing very well so you can strategize that similarly you can say whatever happens in the first quarter we are not going to let a Tyreek Hill bomb in over the top if we have to play three high safeties the entire time we can take that away now Tyreek Hill's still freaky enough that something can happen he can run through your entire defense anyway but you can set up in a coverage shell that will take away those more than if you just played whatever your regular defense is. Fair. So you can strategize to say early on, we are going to really concentrate on these two specific areas or these one specific area at the expense of something else because we believe that there is actually sound strategy to doing that. Okay, fair. I, I get you. Okay. It's also a prayer too, hoping that you're going to stop. Yeah, you're just increasing your odds. And look, teams have had a little bit more success making Mahomes play a patient game. And I don't think he's been playing that this entire time. I don't think, yeah, I think because of the way their offense is playing this year, which is to say worse and more careless with the ball, they have, they used to be very, very good at being patient, right? Which is something that not very many offenses have been able to do. Peyton Manning was always great at being a patient quarterback, Tom Brady, Drew Brees to an extent, but like there aren't that many players that will happily sit there and throw the ball 60 times in a game and never once take a deep shot, right? If you're only going to give them the short stuff, they'll take it. They'll take it all game and they'll beat you that way. There aren't many teams that can do that without getting frustrated and taking a shot. Kansas City was one of them. They have been very good like the last couple of years at being patient whenever that was required. But I think they were able to do that because they were so confident in their own execution and how well they were going to score and how much they were just going to win the game doing that. All of a sudden, when their defense is now garbage and you know you're going to cough up 35 points in a game and when you're turning over the ball, you just don't have that same level of confidence, right? You don't trust your own ability to take five yards every play if that's all that's there. You're like, oh, but they scored and we need to take a shot. Like uh, the receiver's going to drop one or we're going to turn it over. We need, an ex- we need to score now. We can't like trust that we're going to complete 15 so straight the, passes. Perhaps the lack of trust in defense is... I, not just the defense, but their own execution. I think yeah. if they were executing the way they've executed in the past and not turning the ball over and being as efficient as they've always been, I think they'd still have the confidence to be able to go out there and be patient. But if... The defense is playing the way it is, and the offense isn't as efficient as it used to be. I think that's what's making them twitchy, and that's why they're they're being more aggressive. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're being more aggressive because of that, and they're turning it over more because of that. Even though we expected defensive regression from the football team this year, <sighs> it's disappointing to see Landon Collins with a 38 coverage grade, William Jackson at corner with a 48 coverage grade. I mean, John Bostic in the middle of the field has a 29. What Just... 
Cole Holcomb has played good football for them in the past, and he's grading poorly. Everybody on the back end struck. Kendall Fuller's been underwhelming at corner. These are two of the worst defenses in the NFL, statistically. I just... I, I could see the football team, though, having one of those games where the pass rush is pretty good, bothers Mahomes a little bit, and they they just do a better job than expected defensively. I don't think it happens this week, but if that happened, I wouldn't be all that surprised. Like, football team should be better defensively. I think the Chiefs look better <laughs> defensively against Heineke in the, in the football team. Kansas City's EPA per play against figure is mind-bendingly terrible. Like, yeah. they are at .213. Uh, that's crazy <laughs> which is it's almost it's more than double every team except the giants and the jags like more that's than insane. double it's like three times most teams it's cataclysmically bad so that's why i think they can't be that bad that's what i mean right they ha that that's po they're going to regress positively right their defense. but like i've been thinking that for a while now and Okay, they keep facing good. Like this is they're the facing game. all good teams. They're so this is the teams. game, right? If Taylor Heineke goes out there and puts up 500 on them and like walks off to his five touchdown perfect passer rating game, then just torch it down. The, the Kansas City Chiefs are done this year. I'm Kansas City covers the six and a half here, um, but I, I am looking for if the Washington D line gets pressure and contains Mahomes. Tough to do. Um, they can at least keep it close. I'll take Kansas City to cover the six and a half though. All right, I'm gonna go. Oh yeah, you you get an answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, your Super Bowl pick here. This is tough, conflicting. Uh, I gotta. I'm gonna go with Washington covering but losing. You are super. Your Super Bowl pick here. Yeah, Washington's gonna cover. All I need them to do is to make the playoffs. Oh, okay. And then the run starts. They and granted, win. that's getting far away. They have two still, wins now. Yeah, you know they're in the mix. This is a big game. They're yeah. like in the hunt graphic, you know. In the hunts, everyone except the Lions right. and Jags. They have yet to be mathematically eliminated. Los Angeles Rams at the New York Giants. Rams are favored by nine and a half. Daniel Jones still going through concussion protocol. It feels like one we're not going to know until Saturday or Sunday, right, with Jones? Yeah. I, this is, I mean, look, none of us are doctors, um, except but, the doctors that are listening. You guys are doctors. You have two doctor parents. Yeah, but I'm not a doctor. You're not, no. I'm a master. That helps. Everyone on Twitter, doctors politicians historians. yeah i mean look there are a lot of doctors out there i'm just saying that you and i are we're not, not, doctors, are not amongst yeah, yeah. them go ahead um so they have concussion protocols <laughs> there are things you need to pass once you pass them you're eligible to go back in the field there are however headshots you take that look so concerning after the fact that people sort of go you know maybe even though he's passed the concussion protocols we keep him on the bench this week and that's happened in different sports as well. And I don't even know if there's anything to that. Like, How much does the level of concussion affect your ability to recover from it? Though? That's what I mean, right? And, it, and even, not even the level of concussion, but like just, the, just how bad it looks at the time. Yeah. Like if you get up and you have the jelly legs and you're staggering around the place, it looks horrendous. But is that functionally any better than a dude who's lying on the floor and just looks normal, you know? Right. Like w because you saw the first one, you're like, oh, we should be careful with this guy coming back. So anyway, I don't know if even if he passes the protocols, if they should put him out there or not. But it was a worrying thing to see the way he staggered around the place. But they, I mean, they're not going to win either way, right? <laughs> the Rams are way better. Probably not. But we talked about this, the PFF Daily, uh, PFF NFL Daily, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, that's us on the PFF NFL Daily. I know a lot of people like to see our silhouettes 
and that, they, that's what makes them click on the YouTube video and all that stuff. You don't so think we, they can tell that with our faces that's us? Yeah, but it's just like the at a glance when you're when you're on the PFF channel and you're okay. when you're scrolling. So just when you see the PFF NFL daily, that's us. We've moved. Uh, we've put it on Twitter. I'm sorry, we've put it on YouTube now. Um, and we discussed today the most surprising rookies. Kadarius Tony came up. Uh, that to me, his emergence. He's questionable too with an ankle. His emergence gives this Giants offense that much more juice, that much more life, and that... Well, except his emergence came at the cost of everybody else being healthy. (laughs) I know it came with every... But think about if they are all healthy. Yeah. Think about when they are. uh, Kenny Galladay is doubtful. I mean, they're all hurt. But when they're all back out there, Sam, it may not be this week, but when they're all back out there, I can't wait to see Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton, and Kadarius Toney, and Sterling Shepard. By the way, all of those guys are questionable or worse. Those four receivers, all yeah. questionable or worse. But with Evan Ingram, right? Yeah. With all those guys, with Kyle Rudolph, with Saquon Barkley once his sure. ankle stops swelling. Somewhere in the future, there's a really impressive and talented Giants offense that has an offensive line good enough for them to function. It's and It's actually week, really exciting. It's this week, though, what you've got is a pencil-necked Mike Glennon throwing the ball to, is it Evan Engram, the only receiver they've got that's healthy? Pretty much. Is that what we're dealing with here? I believe so. So Glennon to Engram versus the Rams. Yeah. How do you like that? Aaron Donald against uh, Matt Scura, Billy Price, and uh, Will Hernandez up front. Mostly the guards, Will Hernandez and Scura. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah. Mike Lennon's neck might snap Well, there's half. a reason why it's nine and a half. Giants defense has not been feisty this year like they were last year. They've been <laughs> underwhelming. You know, look at it. Their back seven grades, the top grades of Dory Jackson, 66. Everybody's below that. Uh, that or, you know, everybody's that or below, right, as far as Dory Jackson goes. That has been disappointing because on paper... James Bradbury, Adore Jackson, uh, Julian Love, Logan Ryan, it seems like they'd be a little bit better there. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have to play more like they did last year when they had those good games, you know, good game against Seattle, good game against uh, Tampa Bay, kind of slowing down those offenses. They're going to have to figure out how to do that because the Rams are moving the ball, man. They are creating open throws at a high level, and they are tough to cover. Yeah. Rams nine and a half. Yeah. On they're, the road. Yeah. You're taking the Rams oh, yeah. by nine and a half. Uh-huh. Huh? They're going to win. They're going to cover. It's it's going to be quite the beat. Even in a game where Stafford missed a bunch of open throws, they they just created explosive offense against the against the Seahawks. They yeah. got there. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll take the Rams. If Jones plays, I think they can keep it close. He's still he's playing some good football. Give me the Rams here. Ninety nine percent of the uh, money is coming in the Rams <clears throat> money line. Oh boy, there's going to be some crazy stuff happening this week when all the money goes on one team that extreme. Here's an interesting one. Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Uh, three and two Panthers, right? Three and two Panthers, two and three Vikings. Yep. Uh, both teams, I mean, we either got two three and three teams coming out of this, or you've got, you have a four and two, now. yeah, a four and two Carolina team mm-hmm. where you're really starting to, like, yeah, are they, are they for real? Are they, are they're in the playoff push here. We talk about them quite a bit every single week a team that felt like they were rebuilding but they've accelerated it by playing some excellent defense early on but the defense has come back down to earth over these last few weeks as things have been everything has come back down to earth everything really has Darnold's come back down to earth what are you looking for in this one yeah I mean this is like which one of these teams is are either of these teams a legit threat this year are they are either of them playoff teams do either of them actually have the capability of making the postseason making some noise once they get there you know the Vikings season is hanging by a thread Carolina's is wobbling um 
And without Christian McCaffrey, their offense hasn't looked anything like the same. The offensive line has been a massive problem that they didn't fix. In fact, if anything, they made it worse by adjusting and moving Taylor Moton to the other side. I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of fascinated by which one of these teams shows up in this game. Like, if you're Carolina and you think you're a playoff team and that's why you made a move for Stephon Gilmore, you have to be beating a team like Minnesota. And if you're the Vikings... Like I talked about this on the, the Purple Insider, Matthew Collar's podcast. They're kind of trapped in this cycle right now of just being in the middle, nowhere. Like they're not going to be bad enough to ever get like a top five pick and hit a hard reset on this franchise. And they're probably not good enough to make, certainly not make playoff noise. They might not even be good enough to make the playoffs, period. So how do you, what do you do? How do you do something different so that next year you're not in exactly the same position? Um because that's kind of where you are trapped with the roster that they currently have and with no, you know, Kirk Cousins has been really good, but I don't think anybody thinks that there is a pathway for Kirk Cousins to become like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, right? It's just not going to happen. So if he's not going to get himself to that level, something needs to change for everything to get better. Um, And I just don't know where that is right now. And this is one of those games where, like, what do you... What are they going to do differently to avoid just playing every team close, whether they're good or bad, and spitting out seven to nine wins somewhere? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, the Panthers might be that team, too. They're really a – they feel like a seven to nine win team. But if they go to four and two, it's like, okay, they're going to they're, – they're in this overachiever land. Darnold's got to play better than he has the last couple of weeks. I am interested to see how this Carolina secondary – they've had their injuries there. That's why they invested in Stephon Gilmore and C.J. Henderson. Those guys aren't you – know, Stephon Gilmore is not ready yet. How are they going to cover Justin Jefferson becoming, for me, one of the uncoverables in this league right now, which I think has certainly coincided with the big step forward Cousins has taken. So it's a, it's a great matchup. The key I'm looking for is Panthers creating pressure, 45% of their pass rushes right now. They're, they're uh, drop, opposing dropbacks, and a lot of it's unblocked. It's not, it's not dominating one-on-ones. It's scheming it up. So how does Cousins handle that pressure I think is the key here but I think he'll handle it well I like I like Minnesota the one and a half on the road I'm gonna lean that way I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Cousins Cousins over Darnold that that's the the edge I'm talking about their season is so insane by the way like so they lose the week one against uh, the Bengals with an overtime loss right they overtime fumble yeah, they lose to the undefeated <clears throat> to the undefeated the only undefeated team in the NFL now, the Arizona Cardinals. They missed lose because of a missed short field goal um in week 2. They beat the Seahawks. They lose in a 14 to 7 game against the Browns who just hung 42 on the Chargers. They then just scrape by Detroit, albeit a game they had, you know, in control until they gave Detroit a chance to win that. But they are like they're going to play every single team to a one-score game regardless of whether that team is the best team in the NFL or the one of the, or shooting for the number one overall pick. Like, the Vikings are just trapped in this world of being a competitive for against everybody but not good enough to, like, win all your games. So it'll probably be a one-score game here. Yeah. Um, against a Carolina team that, like, doesn't quite know what they are yet because of how their, their season has gone. Yeah, more data points on Carolina here. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's an underrated good game because Minnesota does play everybody close. And if Darnold's going to bounce back, he's got some opportunities against this, the Minnesota corners. Yep. Where are you going? Carolina to. You ever win. picked the Vikings? Yeah, sure. You've never picked the Vikings. Never have. It just never happened. Three more games. 
on the slate unless you forgot some. Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are favored by 10 <laughs> over the Texans here. What are you looking for in this AFC South? How hard could it be? Matchup. <sighs> I get, uh, are you going to watch this game? It has to. Like, I'm kidding. I hate it, but it has to be Davis Mills, right? Like he could win this job, the starting job. If he has another game like last week, how how ready are you going to be? I, I like to put Tyra like, Taylor back in. Uh, let me go find Kyle Allen stats from a couple years ago. They, I like my Kyle Allen comp. They asked both Nick Zario and David Cully during the week, like, "Hey, who, who you know, what's the quarterback situation?" And <laughs> Nick Zario gave this very diplomatic, like, "Well, you know, when Tyra Taylor gets healthy again, then we'll be reassessing and we'll go with whatever gives us the best chance of winning." And yada yada yada. David Cully just comes out. He's like, "No, when Tyra's back, he's a starter. Like, it's just yeah." his job so all i'm saying is if davis mills goes out there and has another pretty good game there's going to be some reassessment that goes on when tyra comes back because they're not in this situation like you're te- you're houston like what is the point as much as look i'm tyra taylor played fantastically for the first couple of games till he got hurt and it's really sad for him that he could end up losing his job again through freakish injury on the other hand what is the point starting him down the rest of the what are you getting out of it no, it's, he's not the future, right? We can we can all agree fair. on that. I don't think fair. Davis Mills is either, but at least you can c- prove that conclusively by playing him the rest of the way. Whereas poor Tyra, just there's no upside to bring it, to starting him unless you value winning a couple of games this year, which I don't see why you would. I think Mills settles into a Kyle Allen 2019 season. Allen was you know forced into the starting rotation, uh, forced into the starting job, right? Had a great first game. Like, oh, look at this guy. He made a lot. He did actually have a, a lot of big time throws. Yeah. Showed off the arm talent and the whole thing. Former five star, much. But he was great. He graded under 50 like six or seven times. And then he had enough games. Like, he kind of went head to head with Green Bay in the snow and made some good throws. It's like, oh, yeah, Kyle Allen's got a future. So every time it's like, oh, yeah, he's got some things and he does some stuff. And it's, on the other hand, there's, there's a lot of bad in there. 34 turnover worthy plays for Kyle Allen. I think that's what Davis Mills is destined for he just came off of a brutal game against buffalo probably brutal game and then one where it's like oh he's he's pretty good against new england made some really nice plays so we'll see what that development looks like ultimately though you're right like they should figure out what they have and i have mills i have no confidence in davis mills being anything other than a kyle allen ceiling level player on the other hand the colts don't have a great defense like they have some real problems in the secondary and this is a reasonably favorable matchup for Davis Mills to go out there and look viable again. And if he does, then I think they have some questions. I said the the football team had the, uh, I guess it's they're both tied. Colts and football team are tied for the second worst coverage grade in the NFL. So it's pretty brutal right now. Um, so that's where I think, the, I think the 10 feels really high for a Texans team that just played really well against the Patriots, right? Is this, this yeah, a trap? But... Is this a trap? I'm taking the Texans to cover. Ugh. They continue other than the 40 to nothing game. Other than the 40 to nothing game. Against the number one ELO team, <laughs> Buffalo Bills, in a rainstorm. Other than the team that, that not only that, that times this line by four. Yes. Okay. In, in that particular game, I said the, the 16 and a half or 17 point line was low. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> it should have been 30. All right. <laughs> the Bills would have covered by 10. Yeah. Uh, I I think the Texans keep it close, oh, or the Colts. The Colts. I mean, think about how their season just changed, man. They they easily should be two and three. I mean, forget the previous stuff, but they they should have beaten the Ravens. They blew it. 
Yeah. Missed field goal. Opened up the opportunity. Lamar was awesome down the stretch. They couldn't stop him. But they had a golden opportunity there to go to two and three, then have this Texans game, get their season back on track. But now the Colts are one and four. And maybe they're better than the one and four feels right now. And they were on it felt they felt better the other night until they blew it. But maybe they're better than one and four. And that's why it's a ten point spread. But man, Texans keep it tight here. No, I'm taking the Colts to win and cover. All right. What else we have? <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals at the Detroit Lions, three and a half. The Bengals are favored in Detroit. I mean, for me, I just, I want to see the Lions throw the ball down the field a little bit more. I want to see Jamar Chase against these Detroit cornerbacks. It should be a huge mismatch. Can Chase continue to become this unbelievable big play threat? Yeah, I That's think so. What are you right. looking um, Detroit's offensive line is kind of falling apart recently. Frank Ragnow was one of the best centers in the NFL. Now he's done for the season getting toe surgery or something. Panay Sewell is trailing off after his pretty hot start. All of a sudden, that's not a good-looking unit. Um, and look, we were that was a line that going into the season, we were sort of projecting and saying, hey, if a couple of things break their way, this is a potential top 10 offensive line in the NFL. Now it's very much bottom 10 and heading in the wrong direction um, against you know, a Cincinnati defensive front that is – not to be taken lightly this could be a rough game for jared goff just getting buried by pressure jared goff's not a quarterback that does tremendously well under pressure most of the time yeah so it feels like a game that could easily get away from detroit in a pretty ugly way you know i, I overuse the word feisty but the lions have been hanging tough with teams but you just see the the talent efficiency catch up you know in a game like last week against minnesota where they shouldn't have had a chance to win and then they did you just go back throughout the throughout the game it's like man they just don't have the horses on the perimeter to do it to even help jared goff right i was saying before the season we'll learn a little bit more about jared goff being outside of the the mcveigh tree you know but like the rams have five receivers who would be the number one receiver on the lions that's not a that's not an exaggeration like deshaun jackson would be the best receiver on the lions um so it's, it's just a really tough situation to create offense in Detroit. And the fact that they've done it at times this year is kind of like a minor miracle to me. So I like Cincinnati to win in cover. Uh, we'll see what the, if there's an emotional letdown after that tough loss. Bengals are so close to being 4-1 right now. Uh, but they should win this game. They're favored by 3.5 at Detroit. Lions are doing a good job of keeping it close. I think at some point, though, just the talent efficiency everywhere <laughs> catches up to the Lions. Yeah, it just... I. Detroit deserves a win somewhere along the line. And this is like... Is this the one? I don't know if this is the one. I don't like the matchup for them, and I think they're getting worse as the season progresses in terms of injuries and things. But, like, they could have gotten a win against Minnesota. They could have gotten a win against Baltimore. Like, they've been playing teams hard and close. And poor I old, know. I wish they I wish they had one of poor those. Poor old Dan Sand. Like, he's coming out of the game upset. I know. I know. And he, he did everything right. He made the, He went for the win. Dan's doing some good stuff. The man deserves the win. Dan's, Dan's doing some good I'd stuff. like to see Detroit win, but I just don't think it'll happen. Oh, okay. Happen. I, I thought you were, you were building it up. No, I, I, I'd love to see them win, but like I don't Urban think they're getting the, it. The challenge the, flag, and the then somebody flag. got in his ear and was like, dude, no, don't do it. Don't yeah, do that. My yeah. buddy sent me a picture of Tony Khan. He's got all of his uh, his like wrestling plans and stuff in a, in a notebook. He's a hard copy guy. Oh, yeah? Tony. And my buddy Mike... He makes fun of me for being hard copy notebook guy too, like you do. Yeah. He's like, look, this is you back in like 1994, just like Tony, using the uh, using the old notebook. Uh, speaking of the Jags, that's the last game. 
Hmm. Tony Khan. Jags. It's the last game it's for the reason. Office. It's the first game, really, of the weekend. It's in London. Or it's in somewhere in British Isles. I put <laughs> British Isles because I don't is it Is it in London? They're all in London, aren't they? I don't know. Is there some other city in England that they play in sometimes? No. Oh, okay. So I assume it's in London. It might be a different stadium. They they alternate, I think, between Spurs Stockwell? and Wembley. Ben, you listening live? Tell me where this yes. game is this weekend. Uh, I bet it's Wembley. Anyway, it is in London. It's also Miami and Jacksonville, so, like, who cares? Tua's been practicing this week. Right. So what is that supposed to do for me? You like Brissett. I know you're a Brissett guy. Right. I'm a lifelong Brissett fan, and Tua hasn't been good. Miami was absolutely torched last week by the Tampa Bay Bucks. The uh, Jags were pretty well handed, uh, handled by the Titans last week. What's going to happen in this one? Miami's favored by three across the pond here. Same stadium. Spurs Stadium. Oh, the Spurs. So the turf. Indoors. The, the turf. The, so that, that matters. It's, the, not the, it's not the ugly, the ugly pitch of, of Wembley <laughs> that gets all beat up. Chewed up, yeah. It's the turf. The turf. It's indoors. It's, it's like, who cares? It's like, I don't... I, what do you mean? Watch Trevor Lawrence. We keep watching Trevor. Trevor Lawrence has not been pleasant watching so far this year. Man, give him, give him some guys to throw to. The, enter, the, the entertainment factor in this game is there are some dynamic playmakers on both teams. Like LaVisca Chenault made a play last week. Jalen Waddell. That was college LaVisca. Jalen Waddell has a pretty ugly role right now, but he's still dynamic when the ball is in his hands and he can make people miss, and that's fun to watch. Um, I mean, both Miami corners, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, questionable. Uh, even Brissett was questionable and limited. Uh, two is expected to suit up for Sunday's game, barring any setbacks. Doesn't mean he's ready to play. No, of course gonna, not. He's going to dress. Why? <laughs> which is nice. All right. They're going to let Tua wear clothes, even a uniform, on Sunday. That's what we know. Okay. Across the pond. Great. Outstanding. Um, You're welcome, London. Enjoy the football. The Jaguars had an intriguing group of playmakers coming into the season, and it is, you know, DJ Chark hurt. Now it's like Tavon Austin's the guy, and Marvin Jones isn't getting as many targets. I thought they'd be better. I thought they'd do a better job for Trevor. Yeah. Uh, James Robinson, somebody to keep an eye on, running the ball hard. Uh, and Urban's trying to get to 250 rushing yards every game. Every game, yeah. And 250 passing yards. That's balance. Sure. That's what we're going for. Yep. Uh, of all of Urban's <laughs> mistakes. You think that's the worst? <laughs> you're, kind of, you're kind of okay with the grinding video. But the second you went 250-250, you were out? <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. It's a bad number to be shooting for. I think I think there's a similar lack of awareness. I mean, in the don't fly home with the team, do whatever you do when you're out there. There's a lack of awareness there. To his credit. And there's a lack of awareness when you're trying to strive for 250 rushing yards and 250 passing yards. To his credit, it's kind of like the, you know, every time this back gets 150 yards, we win. We're undefeated. If he gets 250 a game, they're not losing. True. Yes, if you get so 500 that, yards of offense and it's split 50-50, run and pass, you're probably going to win. In that regard, that's a great thing to be shooting for. Sure. It's like I am shooting for uh, three kneel downs at the end of every game. Always shoot. If I get three kneel downs at the end of every game, I'll probably win it. Kneel downs correlate strongly to wins. Right. Winning so look, teams kneel down more than others. Urban's just shooting for wins here, and you're crapping all over his plan. Just saying the evidence is mounting, and that's just another piece. 
It's another piece of the evidence. There are like, there's a lack of self-awareness sometimes when coaches, GMs, people speak openly in front of microphones. Like, do you run through what you're putting out there before you say it? Like, and think how that's going to be interpreted by other people. Because there's, optimism's great and goal setting is great. On the other hand, like, there's got to be a little bit of realism here. Realistic goals. You need realistic goals. Or at least just not goals that make you sound silly. You know? Maybe those are the ones you keep quiet. Like, this is the this is the closed room goal, and then this is the one we tell people about. Coaches are really funny like that. It's even like the ones that are that are quote anti analytics, like, oh, you can't quantify this. And then they'll be like, Can you tell me how many times a team blocks a punt and wins the game? Like that's one of their favorite things. Or like fifty the rule of fifty three. Yeah, the, uh, every t- 53 completions, look, 53 rushes. Analytics will tell you a lot of things. We don't want to re- you don't want to look into the numbers too much. But we're shooting for 53 combined pass attempts and runs every game because that wins. Yeah. What? I mean, I'm in a lot of I hear a lot in discussions too. They always talk about explosive plays, coaches. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you got to get explosive plays. If you get explosive plays, you win. Now that is not a strategy. That's a hope. Yes. I will give you that one. There's, that's not a thing. No, it can be a strategy because you will not. Here's, here's another interesting one in that whole thing, right? Coaches call an explosive run a 10-plus yard run, but an explosive pass is 15-plus yards. It's like, well, they're not equivalent. You can't put them. Like, one is worth more. 15 yeah. is more than 10. It is. You can't equate those two things. They're not the same. A 10-yard run is not as good as a 15-yard pass. They're not the same thing. They're not both explosive plays. Well, they might be, but then there's also a whole extra world of pass plays. But you can strategize a little bit about explosive plays. You'll stop running the ball and you start running play action, throwing the ball down the field to try to get explosive plays. But it's still no, because if I'm picking up ten, I get an explosive run. That's true. Ten yard run. Anyway, what's happening in this Jags game? I like the Jags, man. I'm picking them. I'm going to pick them every week. This is the week they bounce back. They fly across the sea. No distractions in England. No distractions. No, no. It's going to be. I just I don't care. Miami wins and covers. Jacksonville wins and covers. In London on the road. Jacksonville getting three. Not even on the road. In the air. Looking forward to it. Anyway, what else we got here? Anything? No, that's it. We're done. That's the end, right? That's all the... Did we miss any games? I think we got everything. Jets are off and the uh, Falcons are off this week. Anyone else? Look, I just copied in the games that were on the list. We previewed Thursday Night Football already. That was on the Wednesday show. Go check that out. Thanks to everybody for tuning in we'll be here monday morning we'll even be talking about this game it'll be electric um oh yeah sam's gonna hit you look good holding the bat you're gonna hit at some point don't forget nfl pod type it in the chat again nfl pod 25 percent off any pff subscription over at pff.com nfl pod thanks to everybody for tuning in see you monday morning baseball and sam